Oh, hi. I came up singing today. I just didn't you just kind of feel that? Like you just Okay, I'm the only one. Okay. Well, I've already done this once, so um, I can do what I want to do. Um, y'all have no sense of humor. You're scaring me now. When First Church has more humor than you do, that's not right. Um, God is good to us. I, I do have a shop talk real quick. Um, this being the end of Ju- J- January, Raylene sitting right over there. This being the end of January. Raylene, sitting right over there, um, has last year's end-of-the-year contribution receipt. If your family gave and it was, um, your name was tied to it, we have a receipt for you over there for you to file with your income taxes. Um, and as many of you that will pick them up today is as many stamps as we don't have to buy. And how many of you think that's just a smart deal? So, so just swing by there on your way out to Neighbors and Nation's Lunch. Or um, out the door, make sure you swing by over here and Raylene will give you your tax receipt and it will save us postage. And that's just smart, you know. And so um, please do that today. Um, We, um, by law, have to have them to you by um, January the 31st. And so if if you don't pick it up today, it'll be mailed tomorrow. So um, that's really important. I'm very... um, I'm very excited about what God is doing here. Uh, this is going to be a, a fantastic year. I mean, already in the announcements, you've heard that we're, we're going to uh, take a group of our younger children to camp. We've, it, has been, it has been probably 15 years or more since we've done a junior camp situation with younger children. Um, and our, our uh, kids' ministry, uh, pastors Ryan and Ashley, pastors David and Hope Green, uh, just really wanted to do something special, maybe to kind of do this. And there, there's a great available camp. Matter of fact, Victory Christian Center um, opened their kids' camps up for not just their church, but for um, you know any church. And um, so we're going to uh, be with them, um, partnering with them this year uh, with that. It's going to be a great camp. It always is. We've sent um, kids there before. Always a great time. And they, they really wanted to do that, um, you know, to give the kids something special during the summer. Um, if you have any questions about that, you can see Pastors Ryan and Ashley. They're sitting right here. Um, and um, David Hope Green are out in kids' ministry. You can also inquire about it at the children's check-in. But um, that's going to be great. I would like to say, too, our ladies' conference, we are, we are moving our ladies' conference date up to June. It's the first weekend of June. And um, that's very important for our ladies. So if you'll look at that, it's like the 3rd and 4th or something like that. 2nd and 3rd, 2nd and 3rd of June. And then our men's um, conference is going to be August 4th and 5th. That's like the first weekend of August or 3rd and 4th. I don't know how all those fall in there. 4th and 5th. So that's how they fall in. Um, Go ahead and start marking your calendar. This is going to be a banner year for that stuff. Youth camp with our young people is taking place in the middle of June this year. That's going to be like June the 19th. And so that's a real important date for our young people and for you parents. If you have any questions about that, you can see um, Pastors JP and Nikki. And Pastor Nikki is right down here, and I have no idea where Pastor JP is. There he is. He's in the back. Um, just look for the guy in the hat. So, um, yeah, I mean, very, um, very exciting things that are taking place in our church and great events. I'm just believing and expecting 
Um, just marvelous things this year and um, excited about that. I'm very excited about um, what we experienced on the Philippine trip. We, we did some tremendous um, organizational things this time. The ministry is growing, and that's very exciting that the ministry there is growing to a point where we have to start saying, okay, we can't, we can't do things like we've been doing them. So we need, to, we need to make some structural changes and very positive things there. And I'm thankful that, um, that we um, are able to be a part of that ministry in the Philippines. It's very exciting. And uh, just to see what God is doing, uh, you know, these things that our church is involved with, our hands are on, our, um, our finances are a part of that, things that... Um, you know, I think that are, that are just really exciting, and um, I'm excited about that. Uh, last week, though, we were, we were preaching what I thought was um, the last... <laughs> so if you were here last week and you heard me say this is the last sermon of the series, I was wrong. And we're blaming it on jet lag, all right? So we're blaming it on jet lag because uh, after service on Monday, actually, I think it was Pastor Trent... On Monday, um, he just kind of made the mention to me that, uh, you know, you have one more week. And so if you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher and you just listened to last week and then you're wondering why there's a fifth one, it's, it's because um, I was on jet lag. And I, and so, and which is really, to be honest with you, I got, I got very excited because uh, when, when uh, Pastor reminded me of that and I went back through our preliminary um, notes and the preparation for this particular series called New Year's Revolution, I, I realized that this week's topic is a, is a topic that is really close to my heart. And matter of fact, this was one of those type of sermon note preparations that didn't really take me, um, a, it didn't really take a lot of, um, of digging because it just rolls from me, this particular subject today. And we've kind of based it on the fact that many times people at the beginning of a year make New Year's resolutions. Now, I asked, I asked the folks in First Church this morning how many people had actually made a New Year's resolution, and there was like two out of all of the people that were here. So let me just see, did anybody in this room actually this year consciously make a New Year's resolution? Just kind of wave your hand at me, anybody? Yeah, I think a lot of times we we quit making them. I think this proves a point. A lot of times we quit making them because we we kind of intrinsically understand that uh, we don't usually follow through. So I mean, why resolve to do something like this year? I really did make a New Year's resolution. It's going to be I'm going to be the only one that I that I'm going to require to actually say what it is. I made a New Year's resolution that because I am turning fifty in May. That I'm just going to party the whole year. No, 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 that's not what I <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, you get to. Okay, let me, let me say. Because I'm turning 50 in May, I made this New Year's resolution that I'm going to, I am going to exercise more. It ain't going all that great. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But, you know, I mean, you know, you, you realize as you get older, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting better looking. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm not getting older. But, but you realize, you know, that I don't know why I made these stairs so steep. I'll be honest with you. I mean, what was I thinking? I was thinking like a 42-year-old, I'm thinking. I mean, I'd like designed this thing and told them to do all of this, and then now I just sort of have to, oh, my goodness. This morning, I, 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 you bless your heart, Pastor JP, you didn't say anything about it. But you watched me take these steps one at a time. And I was really shocked you when you didn't say something. You know, like, well, how are you going there, Grandpa? How's it working for you? Uh, it's not working out very well. But, you know, I mean, I, I used to, I, I just realized now that I, I, if, you know, I probably need to exercise a little more than I do. And, um, don't tell Raylene. She doesn't listen to my sermons anyway, but that's not the truth. She listens intently, and she marks every time I say ain't. But anyway, she's like the spelling police and the language police. But anyway, um, I mean, the reality of it is, is that unless I follow through, then it's just a resolution. I mean, hopefully, I can catch a a breeze or something. Hopefully, I can follow through on that for that particular resolution to become a revolution in my life. You know, I honestly believe that. I probably would be revolutionized if I would get back to exercising the way I used to exercise. And it would be probably very beneficial from what I've been told Help you take steps just a little better in things like that. Unless you're John Bergeson and you just decide to take them all in one leap and land on your head at the bottom. He was telling me this story today. Bless your heart, man. What a fall. But are you 50? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know how old. I, yeah, I got you. Uh. And so we, we have to resolve some things in our life, but not just resolve them. There, it is incumbent upon us to have a conscious awareness of these things so that we will follow through in such a way that these resolutions become revolutions in our life and really revolutionize who we are and what's going on. I mean, our key verse is a very powerful verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And when I read that and I believe that, I understand the context by which this is speaking, that, that when we come to Christ, we confess Christ by faith, when we are saved, that at that very moment, everything that Christ has to offer us in our life is deposited into our life, and it is there. The new has come. This new creation, this this reality that the old person that I was, I am no longer because now I am in Christ, and in Christ everything in my life is covered by His righteousness, and when God sees me in this moment, God doesn't see me as I was. God sees me as I am, an individual in Christ, a new creation. But yet, I think every one of us can attest to the fact that 
Although we believe this idea that I am a new creation in Christ, that the old is gone, that the new is here, that that there is still this idea of unpacking that which Christ has done in us. Pastor Trent said uncovering it, that 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 we would begin to uncover this new creation because the reality of it is there are circumstances in life where I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, boy, that really looked like the old guy. You know, there are moments in traffic that you think to yourself, that really doesn't look like that Christ guy. That doesn't look like that new creation guy. Man, the way my temper just went off really resembles the person that I was. Not necessarily the person that I am. And so how do we, how do we unpack this thing? Well, I, I certainly believe that a large part of that is the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Even if, it's, even if that work is not as tangible as we would like it to be. Just the reality that we are yielding to what the old timers used to say. We've got to yield to the, the Holy Spirit. We've got to yield to that. And, and, and this is the reality of that is, I mean, if you've ever, does anybody in the room even know what a yield sign is? I mean, I'm beginning to wonder if anyone in Oklahoma ever even, were the yield signs even on the test? You know, uh, but, but you realize that the, the lane by which the yield sign is placed is the lane that is supposed to do whatever it takes to, to not be the bull in the china closet, to, to do whatever it takes to, to merge peacefully with, to get involved with. And there's this idea that in order for me to truly yield, I have to kind of slow down and redirect my life in such a way to give the other lane priority. I think that when we talk about yielding to the Holy Ghost, it's just this idea of, of allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in our life. That we are yielding not to our own desires, but we are listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and yielding our life to get in His lane. Not expecting the Holy Spirit to come and badger us because the reality of it is if no one yields, it usually ends in a mess. If the person that's supposed to yield doesn't yield, it ends up, eventually there's a crash. Something is broken, something is tore apart, damage is done. So we must learn to listen to and be, and, and be guided by the Holy Spirit. I think that's why last, uh, the, the very first sermon I preached this series, we talked about prayer. I think it's very important for us to to have an attitude and a spirit of prayer in our life so that we can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as He is working in us with His fruit and with His gifts, that the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit working in our life will help us unpack or un- uncover this new creation. So I am not just trying to, trying to do this on my own. I'm not trying to bare knuckle this now. Hopefully I can make this work. But no, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in my life as I am yielding to what He's doing so I'm loving the way He would love and I have peace the way His peace comes and I have, I have self-control the way the Holy Spirit would have me have self-control in my life. 
And I yield to that tremendous work, and it helps me unpack that. And I am absolutely convinced that, that these, these tremendous assets to our walk with God is this, is this idea of, of spiritual disciplines. I believe that there are spiritual disciplines in place in the church and in the kingdom of God whereby you and I began to unpack that which Christ has already formed in us. Everything Christ needed to do was done. It just needed to be uncovered. And so we could talk about spiritual disciplines. There are spiritual disciplines of abstinence, things that you don't do, things that you, that you um, abstain from. And certainly we just came through 21 days of prayer and fasting. And fasting would be a spiritual discipline of abstinence. But then there are spiritual disciplines of engagement, that, that, that these are things that you do in your life, that have benefit for you in your life, kind of like exercise. One of those spiritual disciplines of engagement is prayer. That, that if you will pray, that there's not going to be an angel in heaven pray for you. That if you will, if you will discipline yourself to, to communicate with God through prayer. That great things happen in your life and it, and it helps you begin to unpack this new creation that is so powerfully, so powerfully given to us in our lives. The reality is that if we don't do those things, then, then we don't receive the benefit that comes from them. So it is that we've talked about several things in this series that could be viewed as spiritual disciplines and things that we could resolve in our hearts to do that would bring a revolution to our life that would truly, truly make a difference if we would just... Resolve to really do it. To really make it a functioning part of who we are and, and, and what we do. And, and, I, and, I, and I really am excited about this one today because I think that, that especially in the busy world that we live in. And this kind of, a, this kind of a, a rat race, fast lane type society that we're involved in. I mean, how many of you would agree with me that we're pretty busy? I mean, is anybody in this room kind of busy? Am I the only one that's busy? What is wrong with me? Yeah, busy. Just, I mean, just stuff. How many of you got obligations? Yeah. And we ought to tend to this stuff. Tend to this stuff. Tend to it. Tend to it. Tend to it. And sometimes we kind of live life on autopilot where we don't necessarily think about all these things. But I love what Pastor Trent said in, um, in our Dream Team huddle this morning. He was appreciating... Pastor Hannah, his wife, she's been gone the last couple of days to a girl's thing with some friends of hers from high school and took Emerson but left um, Everly. And, 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 and Pastor Trent's had to be pastor, pastor daddy, um, everything. And he, he said, said, what he said, man, I, he said, I got a new appreciation for, for my wife and her ability to follow after a toddler. He said, I discovered the first day that you have to continually pick up. If you wait till it's, till it's evening, it's too late. It's already, it's, you can't. It's over. It's over. You're not going to get it clean. It's over. 
He said, so, he said, so I, I, my days have been busy just trying to, okay, put things up, put things up, put things up, because more stuff's coming, and, 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 and yeah. Busy. I mean, it really kind of feels like life in general is that way. I mean, we don't have, we don't have toddlers um, in our house anymore, but we have Boston and all of his friends. Listen, they don't, I, I, I stepped out of the bedroom day to go wake Boston up, and there was like five in the living room, or four at least. There was one on the floor, chair, chair. There was four in the living room, and I think there was three in a bed. You know what? I'm just walking through trying to wake Boston up. I'm stepping over bodies. You know, I mean, we were literally living the song, let the bodies hit the floor, let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> And, and you know, and, and you gotta, you, you just gotta pick up, and you know. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, life has a way of uh, of getting us so busy that 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 we're not doing the things that we need to be doing, and we're not focusing on the things that we need to focus on. Therefore, we wonder why it seems like some things are spiraling out of control in our life. And and I'm going to bring one to you today that that this is something that we absolutely have to make time for. This, I mean, you literally have to consciously make a decision, resolve within yourself, and it is simply this. Here's the resolution. I resolve to make community a priority in my life. To make community a priority in my life. The spiritual discipline here is the, is the discipline of fellowship. All right? And, and you have, you have this uh, tremendous picture of the early church, this tremendous snapshot of what the early church looked like. And, and I mean, if there's any picture that we need to get today, we, we need to understand this. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Man, when I read that and I see the snapshot of the early church, it is very clear to us that together was a priority among these people. That you don't see this picture that's being purported today in the, in the Western Christian church, this picture of isolation that, no, we don't need to gather together. We don't need the corporate church. We don't need all of this. We just, you, just, you get your own Bible and you study and you can stay at home and, and listen to, listen to uh, radio and television. You don't need all this. And you know what? Really, the people that are purporting that are people who are misguided in their understanding. I think a lot of times because of hurt. I mean, the reality of it is, is yeah, when you gather a group of people together, there's a potential of getting hurt. I mean, even in the early church, later on in the book of Acts, you see where they had to resolve disputes. But yet something rings clear throughout this picture of the early church, and is that they continued, even though there were disputes, they continued in their togetherness. 
having all things in common. What a community. Having this community environment that infiltrated their hearts and their minds, whereas they did not live their Christian walk as an island. See, I don't think that it's the plan of God or the will of God for any one of us to live our Christian walk as an island. That's why I am a believer, strong believer in the local church. That what we do here, you can't do anywhere else. When you look at the early writings concerning the church, especially the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul referred to the church as a body. And he, he, he talked language that was very clear. Well, you know, talked about an eye and an ear and the parts of the body and how intricately uh, gifted these parts are, but yet all of these parts are members of the same body, that there is this connectivity that has to take place in order for the body to be a body. Okay, I'm going to wave off into this. I waved off into it in first church, and everybody say, okay, here comes the yuck factor. Here comes the yuck factor. I mean, think about it for a second. I don't have a problem walking up just about anybody and reaching my hand out and shaking their hand, but you cut that hand off and put it on the ground, and now there's just something that you just go, ooh. Think about it for a second. When it gets severed from the body, it just becomes yucky. You know? That's like, you know? I mean, I think that none of us, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's what made, that's what made, what was it? Adam's family had the hand that come crawling out the, you know? I mean, there's just a yuck factor to it, you know? That, that, that things just aren't right when something is severed from the body. I haven't convinced you yet. Here goes double yuck factor. We've been, we've been going here today 52 minutes. 52 minutes so far. You've almost survived the entire thing. Congratulate yourself. F- 52 minutes. Um, the whole time we've been here, every one of us in this room have been swallowing spit. Didn't think nothing about it. As long as it's connected to the body, it just moistens the throat. Matter of fact, it's something we even try to work up sometimes. Like, mm, got to go, got to, tongue's dry. But how about spitting it in a cup and just collect it for an hour? And then that's. <laughs> You know, like, oh, I've just been spitting my spit in this bottle all day. I don't buy bottled water anymore. I just drink my spit. (laughs) What's wrong? What's wrong? You've been swallowing spit all morning, but there's something about when you separate it from the body, it gets a yuck factor. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, there's a lot of people that, that you know, they, they live their life and, they, and they're trying to be a Christian and, and, and they wonder why things aren't lining up for them. They wonder why they just kind of walk through this thing with, the, with kind of a yuck factor on them. And the reality of it is, is that we need the body, but we need to be a part of the body. We need to be a functioning member of the body. 
That's why we, we do next steps and we try to really encourage people. Man, come learn about our church. Come learn about our vision. Come learn about what we do because we want you to get involved with what we're doing. Why? Because we honestly believe as a church that in order for you to truly be discipled, you need to be a part of the body. I don't want to just be an entry church. I don't want to be, you know, there are some churches, they, they, they say, well, you know, we're just kind of an introduction to Christianity kind of church. And if people really want to grow in their walk with God, they got to go somewhere else because we're not a discipling church. We're an entry church. I want to be an entry church and a discipling church. And we're convinced that, that, that a big component of that discipleship is getting involved, getting connected, making friends. Being a part of the dream team. Being a part of, of what God's doing. But all of that's a together thing. It's, a, it's about doing it together. And not being severed. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, there, there's a, a ton of examples that I could give. But I'm just going to tell you, for me, you know, I, I'm sort of a... I was thinking after... after I was thinking after first church this morning that... Um, you know, I, I kind of have a split personality type thing going on. I, I, they didn't make a movie about me, but you know what I'm saying. And You know, there's, there's a huge part of my personality now. I think as I've matured, I've even changed more toward this direction that, that I'm sort of like the energizer bunny and I'm sort of like all up into the grill. Man, we're, we're moving and we're just, and I'm with people and all that. But, but uh, you know, there was a time in my life that there's another part of my personality, especially if I get under stress and I get, you know, I, I, I get under concern. If I, if I really feel the weight of that, I'll list to another part of my personality that's, that's not that happy low you know, go lucky guy, but more of a depressed dude. And they, I used to measure really high on the scale of, of melancholy on that old uh, scale. So I've discovered something in my life, and this is very important, that anytime I feel like isolating, anytime I feel like getting out of the crowd and being alone and, and just trying to get away from everybody, it's a pretty strong indicator that I'm not really healthy emotionally right now. And this was very revealed to me years ago. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but, but Raylene and, and Baylor were going through this thing in the summer, and we had a lot of pressure on us. There's a lot of transition in the church as well. So on several levels, my, my whole world was being shaken. They were saying that Raylene had a possibility of cancer, and Boss had, or Baylor had a possibility of cancer, and they were cutting on them, and we were going through all of this. And, and, and I didn't realize this, okay? I didn't realize that through the course of all of that, I... I was becoming less and less and less approachable as a pastor, even, even as an individual. I just was just sort of sinking into this depression that had, had gotten a hold of me. I mean, and I, I really, to be honest with you, I, 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 I suffered from this depression. I mean, it, it, it was a very dark time for me in my life. I suffered from it, and, but, but I couldn't let anyone see it. I mean, I'm pastor, I'm the faith guy, the world's ours, yay-haw, let's go. And so I would come out here, and I would rally, you know, rally the troops, yay, this is, God can do it. And in the back of my mind, though, I'm, I'm ticking with, well, what about the cancer, and what about the church, and what about the bills, and what about, and all these whatabouts just ticking, 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 ticking inside, and I would leave the crowd, and I would slink back into my isolation. I can remember those days, man, I, I, 
I, I got in and out of church as fast as I could. As fast as I could. I mean, I would hit the door. Matter of fact, we used to have a door on the platform. This platform is a foot and a half higher or something like that. Higher than it used to be. And there used to be doors up here. So if you ever wonder what that cove is outside in this hallway. It used to be a staircase off the platform. And, 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 and man, I would, I would get through preaching. I'd pray with people or do whatever needed to be done. And as it was winding down and they were telling everyone to go home, I was making my way to this door right here because I knew if I could get out this door in the next two minutes, I don't have to talk to anyone. I don't have to see anyone. I could just get in my car and I could drive back to my house and I could crawl back into my cave few months of that, people were noticing. And I had a man that was going to our church at that time. He was helping us in some of these transitions. A very dear friend of mine to this day. He, he's, um, a, he's Dr. Mark Roberts, and he's a curator. He's a librarian at Fort Roberts University for the, what they call the Holy Spirit Research Center, which is a special library on the Pentecost Charismatic Movement that's within the library itself on the fourth floor. And, 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 and Dr. Roberts was, was helping me in those days. And he called me on a, on, on a Monday, I believe it was. He called me and said, hey, you know, what are you doing for lunch today? Man, I didn't want to go to lunch with him. I didn't want to go to lunch with anyone. I didn't want to see anyone. Uh, I'm like, oh, I don't have any plans. He said, well, good. He said, man, let's go, let's go down here to this Mexican restaurant right down on Lewis down there. I forget the name of it, but they have like $3 lunches. You could go there and get a whole plate for 3 bucks. He said, let's just go down here and buy cheap lunch and just come sit with me. Let's just talk. I didn't want to talk. So we, we sat through that lunch, and I avoided the conversation like the plague. And he knew I was, and we got through with lunch, paid the bill. He's like, hey, you want to swing by the office? He said, you got anywhere to go? No. You want to swing by my office? I got a book I want to give you. I, mean, I don't know. He was just probably pulling one out of his head. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going to give me a book he really didn't intend to get rid of, but he's got to get me to his office. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, I'll come by. So we left, and we went. I went to the fourth floor through the library into the Holy Spirit Research Center, into his office. He's got this office with these books just piled everywhere, and he's got a couch. And I sat down on the couch. He sat down in that chair. And, and, and when he sat down in the chair, he just sort of rolled up. And he said, what in the world is going on with you? What's going on with you, man? Are you okay? What's going on? And of course I was like, oh, well, nothing, man. I'm the great preacher. I'm the faith preacher guy, man. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. That's my verse. When in reality, I was just hoping for tomorrow. I hope tomorrow's, you know, let's just get through today. He said, listen, he said, some folks in the church are concerned about you. He said, we're not talking about behind your back. It's just, it's just I've, heard, I've heard the conversation. He said, they're concerned about you. He said, they, they're, they're saying that they're concerned because, because you seem separated. You've separated yourself. And they're just, they're just worried. He said, what's going on? What is going on? Well, in that separation, see, this yuck factor settled in in my life, this 
emotional thing set into my life. I'll never forget, I just, just spewed it all out to him there in, in his office. Just spewed it all out. Just told him everything. Half angry that he even made me do it. I was just kind of, well, these people don't understand what I'm going through. They don't understand the stress. They don't understand the fact that my son's having these things cut all over his body and they're, they're, they're all coming back negative and, and, and the doctor won't give us a straight report on Raylene and, and, and they're saying now she's got a 40% chance of cancer and they don't understand what I'm going through. And with tears running down his face, he looked at me and said, they don't know what you're going through. They don't know this. They, I don't know this. I, I'm, I sat with you in meetings at, at the church, and I don't know this. Nobody knows this. Why haven't you told anybody? Why are you carrying this all by yourself? And I'm like, well, I just don't want people to think that I have doubt or whatever. He's like, no, we're supposed to carry this with you. This is the body of Christ. It's what we do. I said, well, what is, what is your suggestion then? He said, my suggestion is you need to stand your family on that platform on Sunday and you need to tell this church what you've just told me. Let them see your pain so that they can help heal your pain. And I'll never forget that Sunday. We stood right in the middle. The old platform was a little lower than this. But we stood right about here on that platform under there. We stood right about and called Raylene up, called Baylor up, called Boston up. And we stood on this platform and said, let me talk to you about what's going on. Let me tell you what this summer has been like. And I've been fighting depression. And I don't know how to get out of it. And I just need you to pray for me. And I'll never forget that week. They lined and went across this platform. Family after family come across this platform with us standing up here. And they laid their hands on us and prayed for us. And that's what the body does. That's why we need each other. That's why we can't allow ourselves to slip into this mentality that, well, you don't need the church. You don't need each other. You don't need connect groups. You don't need to go out to dinner with anyone. You don't need to go to neighbors and nations and eat with those people. You need to just go home and get in front of your television and just isolate yourself. No, what you really need is to make close connections in the church because authentic relationships bring freedom in our life. I was delivered from that depression because of the people that helped carry me through it. And I mean, there's a lot of pastors that wouldn't get up and admit, hey, I fought that. And wouldn't get up to admit that, you know what? And I have the propensity to have to fight it again if I'm not careful. The reality of it is is that that when when you involve yourself with relationships, those relationships become the become the bed, they become the seed bed for the gifts of the Spirit to work in our lives. I mean, when I look at these verses in Acts, Acts 2, in 42 they ha- we see the word fellowship. In 44 they, they were together and they had things in common. So they were a community. In verse 46 they met together, they broke bread in their homes, they ate together. There's a whole lot of togetherness that's supposed to happen in the church. 
And I mean, let me throw this out, please. I know I'm, I'm preaching right at you today, and I've got to close. But, 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 but let me throw this in for good measure. You know what I've discovered? Is that if you're not careful in isolation, you'll start thinking, well, I don't know why anyone comes to me. When in reality, it's incumbent upon us to come off the island. You know, get in the boat and come back to the city. It's not just about them seeking me. I've discovered that it's about me also seeking them. I have a pastoral team in my life that, man, when I seek them, miraculous things happen. Hebrews 10 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day appearing. What's he talking about? Man, it's about to be persecution like never before. It's not a good time. But listen, if you will get together and if you will spur one another on toward love and good deeds and if you will encourage one another, you will be able to overcome any persecution that comes against you. Anything, anything that comes against you, if you have a togetherness about yourself. And the writer is imploring them to, don't give this up. Don't give this together thing up because there's power for you in together. See, it happens in connect groups. I thank God for connect groups. And we're pushing connect groups as a part of our DNA, as a part of the culture of our church. But even above connect groups. So you can go out there on the board and you can join up with connect groups. But even above that, when's the last time you invited someone to go to lunch with you? When's the last time you picked up the phone and scheduled a game night? You know, I know we're all busy. I started with that. We're all busy. I understand that. But there's something about, you know, planned fellowship. But there's even something great about spontaneous fellowship. And it helps us not have the yuck factor in our life because we're, no long, we're not separated anymore. We're still a part of the body. And when spit's a part of the body, it doesn't have a yuck factor. I mean, you're chewing gum. Congratulations, you're working up a lot of it. I'm just saying... I'm just saying, and not a conscious thought, not a conscious thought because it's still a part of the body. As long as it's a part of the body, it doesn't have a yuck factor. How important this is, how important this is to recognize because, because Paul didn't just say about the body, he also said that we're a building. And think about it for a second. You can go to Lowe's, you can walk down the lumber aisle, and there's a lot of lumber, but there's no building. It only becomes a building when the pieces come together. And the Bible says that we as the church are a building that, in, that the Holy Spirit inhabits. We are the habitation of the Holy Spirit. Together, not single. Together, we're a habitation of the Holy Spirit. What happens when you sever something? We, we tore a bunch of stuff out right here. You know what? We threw all of it away. We tore it out. There used to be a half wall here and all this stuff used to be here. We tore it out and it went to the dump. And so today it's just rotting. It's got a yuck factor because it's been severed from the building. It's been severed from the building. And as soon as it's severed from the building, it becomes worthless. It has a yuck factor. So we land in, in these powerful verses in Romans 12. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, 
We who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, then let him do it in proportion of his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let them give generously. If it is leadership, then let them govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let them do it cheerfully. But whatever you got to see in this is that our gifts haven't been given to us so that we can lavish them upon ourselves. You have been gifted as a member of the body of Christ so that you can lavish your gift on the other people. It's a giveaway. And as long as you're connected with the body, it keeps out a lot of yuck. It just keeps out a lot of yuck. Would you stand with me today? In just a little while, we're going to have our prayer partners come forward. We're going to pass the buckets and take an offering, and you're going to drop your connection card in there because you're a dutiful individual. And, and we're going to have our prayer partners come forward, and they're going to pray with individuals in the house that may have a need and you want specific prayer. We're going to do all of that. But before we get there, I would like to pray that the Holy Spirit would just enable us as a people to understand what I've preached today the importance of community, fellowship. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I am indeed grateful for the opportunity that we have today to come and to to learn from your word. And, And I just ask right now in Jesus' name that you would help us as members of the body to understand the importance of that membership, to understand the importance of that connection. And I pray that this year, in our church, that you, would, that you would help us become even more connected with each other. That we would develop friendships that will last a lifetime. And that we would, that we would develop a community that would, that would see to the needs of each other. That would encourage one another and spur one another on. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name for your help. We thank you for it. Amen. you would keep your heads bowed for a second. If you're here today and say, you know what, Pastor, I want a fresh start today. I need, I need either to pray for salvation or I need to pray for recommitment or I just want to renew who I am and what I am in Christ. Would you just slip a hand up? I'm not going to make you come forward. Thank you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you. All righty. All righty. Several hands went up, church. So would everybody pray with me so that we don't embarrass those that, that we've called out? Now, if you raised your hand, then I, I want you to pray this with sincerity of heart. Say, Father... I thank you for this opportunity I have to call upon the name of Jesus. I pray that you would forgive me. I pray that you would help me, strengthen me. I pray right now in Jesus' name for Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for dying for me. I declare that you were raised for me. And today, I thank you for this fresh start. In Jesus' name, let's clap our hands to the Lord because he's worthy. Hallelujah. Don't forget.